speak to us this morning, Lord. Let your words be spoken in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys can bring that over if you want to. Uh, just put it over there. Um, I want to recap where I left off the other week uh, was when we went wakeboarding. Um, so please let me know who's ever wakeboarded before. Give me a wave. Give me a wave. Not that many people. Uh, you saw for days, just so you're aware. But two experiences happened because of the wakeboarding that I have never experienced that often in my life. You've got to understand the background of who I am. I didn't learn to swim at all until I was about 18 years of age. So being a poor swimmer meant I didn't do a lot of water sports growing up. So with the wakeboarding coincided with two experiences that I haven't had a lot of in my life. The first one is wearing a wetsuit. Doesn't that do a lot for your figure? Amen. <laughs> my goodness me. What the heck is that? Hey. But anyway, I, I embraced the moment and I put it on. Now, listen, normally when I'm in cold water, the water is only warm for 30 seconds at a time. Can everyone relate to what that is happening? I'm in the ocean. I'm in the ocean. It's where it all ends up. Come on. But anyway, moving forward beyond that, you're in the water and it's warm all the time. You can top that up every now and then, but generally, generally it's warm. Now, you've got to understand, it was not what I, I haven't, I haven't really worn a wetsuit that much. So the process of putting this on, it's cold and it was someone else's and we all know that that doesn't, that can mess you up. But anyway, put it on, it's tight and you're, and you're strutting along and you're, you're trying to embrace who you are, but you get in the water and it's warm. The other experience that I haven't had a lot of, in fact, this may, may have been the second or third time in my life, wearing a life jacket. Now, being not a strong swimmer, when we went to this wakeboarding park, it, it, it's a quarry and it's 15 metres deep. And what happens is you're pulled around on a line. And then if you let go, uh, you've got to be able to swim to the edge uh, to be able to get out and walk around and start again if you let go. Now, I am processing in my mind, remembering I haven't worn a life jacket that many times before. In fact, it had been years and years and years. I, I couldn't remember really the advantage it would be. I was processing, if I let go, Where's going to be the closest exit for me to get to in order that I don't drown and die? So what would happen is I let go and everybody knows you have the initial panic when you first hit the water. At least this is my world. Now, I was getting ready to have to do it in my own strength. Now, what's crazy is God speaks to me in the most random ways at the most Times I least expect it, and yet I feel God speak to me. And what happened is I let go and I'm getting ready to swim, and then all of a sudden the buoyancy hit home of what the life jacket actually does. And what I realized that it was no longer about my strength, but rather it was who was holding me up and what was holding me up. See, I realized I began to reflect and I go, okay, as we go around life and as we, 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 we swim and we navigate through life, you have to remember it's not done in your own strength, yeah. but rather who is holding you up. Yeah. It's who is holding you up. I realise that as I go through battles, as I go through challenges, as I strive to be who God is calling me to be, I quickly realise that it is not my strength, but rather my Father who holds me up. Yeah. 
When I look at battles, when I think about challenges, I think that there are three areas at which people can lose a battle. There are more, but here are three that I want to mention. The first one is often this. People never go to war. They never battle. They never fight for significance because they never think they're worthy or capable or able of doing so. They're robbed in their mind before they even begin. Another way to lose a battle is that you burn out because for so long you're trying to do it in your own strength rather than letting the one that holds you up hold you up. You burn out because you work so hard to try and do it in your own strength. And I think the third one, which often is people give up because how the outcome is coming is not often the way they thought it would be. But if you listen this morning, my my prayer for you this whole week has been that we can use the life of Gideon in Judges chapter 6 and God can speak to you today. I want to give you three principles about how you can win battles, how you can become significant, how you can be who God is calling you to be. But here's the foundation principle. It's not about you. It's about who's using you. It's not about your skill. It's about God's faithfulness. So this morning... Get ready. Let's turn to Judges chapter 6. I want to talk to you from the basis of three ways you can overcome, three ways you can win your battles. It's through assessing your climate, your call, and your company. So Judges chapter 6, what's happening when you look at the the book of Judges is uh, there's a bit of uh, roundabout behaviour going on. What what happens in Judges is we we know the whole Old Testament narrative of God's people uh, uh, walk into His blessing, then they sin, and God doesn't let them miss out on the repercussions of their actions. They fall into oppression. They fall into the, to, uh, to, uh, captivity. And then in Judges, God sends significant leaders uh, and God uses those significant leaders to see them delivered once again. So we have this cyclic behaviour of God bringing them through, them sinning and walking away. God using great leaders and great people and because of His faithfulness brings them back through again. Here is the reality. God is the hero of judges. It's his faithfulness to his promises. It's not the manipulation of them doing something wrong and then crying out to God, God, save us. He hears that. But why God is faithful is because of the promises he's already made. He promised to be faithful to Abraham and his descendants and he'll be faithful to us. He will always be faithful to his word. So what happens is in Judges chapter 6, that cycle has begun again. They begin to worship other gods. They begin to do things that they shouldn't and they sin against God. So for a seven-year period, God brings them under incredible oppression through a nation called the Midianites. Now what happens is they're such a vast army, such a vast people with their cattle, with their assets, with who they are, that the Bible describes them as a number of people that couldn't even be counted. And what would happen is the Israelites would plant their crops. They would try to move forward as a people and the enemy would come in in great numbers and they would destroy everything, leaving nothing. They said no animal, nothing left behind. They would destroy everything. So the people were in great oppression because of their sin. So in this story, you begin to see in chapter 6, God comes to a young man 
by the name of Gideon who is thrashing wheat. He, he, he's working hard uh, in a wine press and God comes to him and says, I'm going to use you because you're a warrior. I'm going to use you to see my people delivered. And we know that Gideon says, I can't do it. I'm too weak. But God says and gives him the promise that I'll be with you. So he goes and he gathers an army. We know this story. What happens is there's 32,000 people gathered and, and God says, that's too many. Even though they, they can't be counted and you've got 32,000, if you beat them, you'll boast in your strength, not in who's holding you up. So what I want you to do is send anybody home that's scared. 22,000 people leave. You know, as a leader, you always fear that kind of announcement, don't you? If you're scared, leave. You know, if you put that in our context, it's like the pastor going, if you don't want to serve, don't. But often God will use the few with the right attitude. So then he's left with 10,000. But God says, you know what? Even though you can't count the enemy and you've got 10,000 of you, you're still going to boast in your own strength. So go and take them over and, and guys that drink a particular way, they're going to be the ones I use. And what happens is it's narrowed from 32,000 down to 300 people. So 300 versus an, an army that can't be counted and God delivers them. But what I want to focus on this morning is that that battle never would have been fought if Gideon hadn't answered the call. If Gideon had have Realise that it was God that holds him up and not his ability and not his giftings and not his anointing, but rather God's faithfulness. He never would have got to the place where God could use him to bring deliverance for his people. So if you guys turn, Judges chapter 6, if you're writing notes, I want the first one to be this. You need to assess your climate. Now what a climate, what I want to talk about in regards to that is your circumstance. Your climate with where you are, your environment. Do you know, if you think about it, anybody that's ever been to university, when you walk into a university, there's a climate there. There, there, is, there is a spirituality there that everything in your discernment gets churned up when you walk into those places. There is, there is uh, climates in homes. There, there is climates in people's minds. There, there, there is what it is. is uh, it's an environment that is determining it's, it's the overarching culture. Now, what happens in verse 11? is we see the narrative begin where Jesus comes. Now, it says the angel of the Lord. So we, we can look uh, in theology that that's pre-incarnate Jesus. That's Jesus entering into a situation in the Old Testament. And it, it says this in Judges 6. We'll read in 11 and we're going to go down to 13 to begin with. It says this, The angel of the Lord came and sat under an oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Abizarite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. So I want to look at this situation to begin with. So what's happening is there is a young leader and he's threshing wheat. Now, for anybody that's really under the age of, I don't know how many people in our culture actually know what that looks like. It took me actually YouTubing it uh, to see what that looks like. But the reality is you grab the wheat and you put it in a pile and you begin to whip it and you hit it. And what happens is it separates the edible grain from the, the straw and the chaff and the bits that you don't require. So what happens is as you beat it, 
it separates, then you get rid of what you don't need, then you gather it, and what you do is, as you let it run out, so you gather all the grain and it's in a holder and you shake it out, and as you shake it out, wind blows through and gets rid of all the chaff and the bits that you don't need, leaving the edible bit. So a threshing floor needs to have great airflow. It has to have good airflow or otherwise when you shake, nothing gets removed. But yet what happens is when you read in this scripture, he's hiding from the Midianites in a wine press. Now where the wine press was, there's poor ventilation. It's covered. It's exactly the opposite to what you want to thresh wheat in. And as I pondered on this scripture, you know what I thought about? I thought it wasn't his skill. It wasn't his ability. It wasn't his desire. But the environment that he'd put himself in affected his outcome. How many of us in our Christian walk are trying to make our Christianity work in an environment it's never meant to thrive in? Started thinking about that young people. You're trying to make your environment work. You're trying to live a life of purity, but yet all of a sudden, you know, you put yourself in an environment where you're alone with your girlfriend and the slow music starts coming on. That's an environment where purity will not flourish. You know, if I want my finance to flourish, I do not put April in an environment called Kmart. Because what happens is the opposite to what I desire. It's a battle that we all have to go through. What's happening is he's trying to make something work in an environment it was never meant to. What's the environment of your world like? What are the decisions? What is the environment you're putting yourself in to make your walk of faith, your life, your journey actually flourish? Now, there's two perspectives here. The first perspective is this. Because of decisions that the Israelites had made, it had brought them under, under oppression. So because of that, Gideon was forced into hiding. Now, say he had been the perfect individual, which no one is. He could be in that situation through no fault of his own. But yet he's trying to make something work in an environment that it was never meant to flourish in or maybe because of his own decisions, maybe choices that he had made as well, he finds himself in an environment. So here's the thing, it could be your choices or the choices of someone else that you land in an environment where you're trying to make things work, but yet it just feels like you can't make it happen. But this is where we remember the faithfulness of God. Because in the situation where he's working hard, trying to make it work in an environment that he can't, Jesus enters that situation. God enters that situation and says to him, you are a mighty warrior. A mighty warrior? He's not a mighty warrior. My perspective from what I read, he's a hider. But here's the thing. Wherever the environment that you end in, as I know this, is that God will begin to call out in you who you are before you even become it. You see, my son Jai, my son Jai, I've called him champion so many times that now when I call champion, he answers. 
Why? Because I, as his father, see something in him that I am going to call out in him before he ever becomes it. See, here's the thing, is that you may be in an environment right now where, where you feel things aren't working, but my God can come into your environment and begin to call out in you who you are based on being faithful to who he said you are. There are people in this room that you need to know that today God calls you a forgiver. There are people in this room that you need to know God calls you strong. There are people in this room that you need to know that God calls you a steward of your finances. Now, you may sit there and go, that's not me yet. But what I hear to declare over you is this, is that God will call out in you who you are before you even become it. Gideon says, I am weak. I am small. But God says to him, you are a mighty warrior. God's going to begin to call out in people here today who they are based off what he has determined you to be, the head and not the tail, an overcomer. God is calling it out in you. The second thing that we need to begin to look at is the call. Let's read from verse 13. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt, but now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian? The Lord replied to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel from Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Pardon me, Lord. Gideon replied, But how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the least in my father's family. God's calling him a warrior. And he's seeing only weakness. As I pondered on this thought, I began to realise and we know that this As a believer in Jesus, as a follower of Jesus Christ, know this as the Holy Spirit leads you that your weakness is your greatest advantage. Because my Bible tells me in 2 Corinthians that where I'm weak, he is strong. In fact, in 2 Corinthians, it says that his strength is perfected in our weakness because we begin to rely on him. It is not about what appears to be weak because what happens is if you look at this story, God whittles them from 32,000 in strength down to 300. When you think you have nothing is when God will move. I started thinking about Moses, which I'll bring the, um, the similarity between them two. In Exodus 4 verse 2, God's calling Moses. And Moses says, I've got nothing. And God says, what have you got in your hand? He says, a stick. Tell me if I held this up and said this will change a nation. You wouldn't believe me because it's nothing, but yet God can use anything and anyone. You see, this same stick, when it fell before Pharaoh, what did it become? A snake to show that God was with Moses. This same stick that was held out over the Red Sea saw it divided because God was using him. This same stick that cast a rock provided water for a nation. That same nation that was in a battle, when this same stick was held up, they would win. When it was lowered, they would lose. It's just a stick. It's nothing. But in the hand of God, he can use anything. 
I start thinking about the, the, the Word of God and I, and I start thinking about our environment. How, how many of us go, okay, how, how can environment, how can the call, how can this even affect who we are? But you see, God will call you into who you need to be. Like I look at these, these two things right here. These two things are exactly the same. They are made of exactly the same thing. But yet with this one, I, I can pour it out. It's jelly. But yet this one is exactly the same thing. What's the difference? the climate that it's been in. You see, what happens is God is calling Gideon into a new sphere of influence. He didn't have anything. If I was to hold up this rock and say this rock can change the course of a nation, would you believe me? Well, it's just a rock. But yet, if you look in the book of Samuel, around Samuel 17, you begin to see that what a rock was, was David had been offered an armour of King Saul, but yet he refused that. And it says, in fact, that he took his stick in his hand. He went down to uh, a river. And what did he do? He grabs five stones. And yet God uses just a stone to alter the course of a nation. It's nothing, but yet in God's hands. It's everything. You know, I begin to think about the Word of God. We see a widow that approaches Elijah and, and he says, what have you got? She says, I've got a handful of flour, and a little bit of olive oil. That's what we anoint people with in this church, olive oil. Hallelujah. <laughs> but what happens is that God uses that to provide for an entire family. If you begin to, I'm just going to dust my hands off. It's going to distract me the whole time. Your weakness, what appears to be weakness, when it's used by God, becomes your greatest asset. What did Gideon have? God says to him, go in the strength you have. How many people have got on their knees before God? When's the last time this happened? You say, God, I've got nothing left. I've hit dead ends. I'm broken. I can't do anymore. If you look through the parallel of Gideon, he is saying, I'm from the weakest tribe and I'm the weakest in the weakest tribe. I'm nothing. I have nothing left to give. But yet God says, go in the strength you have. How many people here can look at Gideon and go, well, he had the strength to obey. So do you. He goes, I had the strength to act. So do you. He had the strength to believe, so do you. So when you think you have no strength, realise, looking at Gideon, that it is not about your strength. It is about the call of God. That's on your life. God was calling him so he could go in faith going, well, where I am weak, he is strong. If it's his vision, it's his provision. If it's him that is calling me, he will provide the way. It isn't about what I have or how much I have. It's not about who's in your corner. It's not about how many in your corner. It's about who is in your corner. God is sending him to influence a nation. Don't give up. There are people here that need to know you feel like you have no strength left. You feel like you have nothing left to give. There's been many people throughout the Word of God. That's when God's ready to use you. Go in the strength you have for your family, 
for your business. Keep fighting. Keep believing. Because God is with you. The third thing, and I might get you to come up, Dan, is your company. It says this in verse 16. And the Lord answered, I will be with you. I found it really interesting as I studied Gideon and I looked at the life of Moses. The similarities are crazy. If you look at Exodus chapter 3 and Judges chapter 6, it's cool. They're both found by God hiding from their enemies, doing menial tasks for their family just to stay alive. The second, God calls them on a great mission. The third, they both say they're unable to do so. But the fourth is the promise that is always given to God's people. He says, I will be with you. It's not about your strength. It's about His faithfulness. It's not about your ability. It's about His faithfulness. It's not about your resource. It's about His faithfulness. Because God is faithful to His people. Do you know what can happen is Gideon's about to go to war before he's even a warrior. God's about to use him to do great things, but if he could never get over his own perspective of himself, he never would have got to that moment. A lot of you guys know my testimony. And for me, at my weakest moment, became the foundation for the next decade of my life. You see, as a 22-year-old, I got food poisoning in quite a severe way. And it was only supposed to be a two or three day, a normal food poisoning thing. And then in limited cases, every now and then it kicks on. And what happens is it kicked on about two or three weeks, but there was this transition moment when in that moment went from being sick to the enemy came in and began to say to me, you're going to be defined by this weakness. This is going to be who you are. This is going to be who you become. I got to the point where the actual bug had been cleared from my body, but anxiety had gotten a hold of my mind. All of a sudden, every process that I had, every thought that I had was gone through the filter of my weakness. What I stand at the weight I stand right now, I lost 28 kilos off this frame. But what happened is, the enemy had come in and began to torment me, saying, it's your weakness that will define you. It's your weakness that will define you. It's your weakness that will define you. And what had happened is I had began to move off uh, who calls me and who sends me onto who I am and who I and my weaknesses. Now, what happened, I got sick about three or four months uh, before Christmas Day. And I still remember to this day going, it'll be okay because by Christmas, I will be fine. 
and Christmas Day came and I woke up and I was still vomiting. I was still unwell. I was still full of fear and I was broken and I felt like I had nothing left to give. I remember getting in the car. I remember driving to my parents' house for Christmas morning as we do and my parents opening the door and I burst into tears, broken and robbed. Like Gideon in a wine press trying to make something happen. But caught in a mentality that he could never get out. I end up running to the bathroom to be unwell. And in that moment, in my brokenness, I turn around and I still remember seeing this poster. The poster had 60 different phrases on who I am in Christ. And all of a sudden, I began to be reminded of His faithfulness rather than my weakness. He plans my future. I'm the head and not the table. Uh, the table, you like that? I'm the head and not the tail. I'm an overcomer. Future and a hope. And what happened is God, like Gideon, had entered into my situation and was beginning to call me a mighty warrior before I'd ever become one. But if I had have continued to be robbed of my weakness, I never would have went anywhere. But in that moment, I realised it isn't about my weakness. It's about who is with me. God's promise that He gives to Moses, God's promise that He gives to Gideon, God's promise that He gives to you is, I am with you. Assess your climate. Is the environment that you're putting yourself in helping you live for Him? If it isn't, today I ask that you would allow God to pull you out and place you in an environment where you will flourish. You know, sometimes nothing needs to change like the jelly, but your climate in order for you to see who you become. Where are you placing yourself? Are you placing yourselves in environments that see you go further away from God? Or are you placing yourself in a connect group around the right people, about those that will pray and carry the burdens with you that they need to? Your climate's important. But I believe a second thing, there are people in this room that feel they have nothing left to give. And today God says, gather your strength one last time. Go in the strength you have because He's about to bring deliverance. And there are people in this room that need to know today that God is with you. So could we stand for a moment, church? With every eye closed, every every head bowed. This is only to give people privacy. If you're visiting today, uh, this isn't a, a, an act other than simply giving people privacy for where they're at with God. If there are people here this morning and you feel the tug of the Holy Spirit in your heart saying, I need to assess my environments. Now that environment can be multi. It can be outside of the people you're hanging out with, uh, the places that you go, but it also could be the environment that's been set up in your, in your mind and that there needs to be a shift. There needs to be a God coming into your situation and calling out in you who you need to be and there needs to be a shift. If with every eye closed, if that's you, would you raise your hand? Wow, 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 wow. You can pop your hand down for a moment. Praise God. 
second group of people I'd like to pray for is I, I, I just, I get this picture of there are people and they've been on their knees and it's almost like you've been saying to God, I've been persevering so long. I have nothing left to give. I am weaker than the weak. I have nothing. And God's word for you today is to gather what strength you have. He will strengthen you and He is going to send you out. If that's you and you just feel you need strength for the battle, if you could raise your hand if that's you. Yeah, wow, wow, wow. Then the third one, you can put your hand down. Wow. This is a simple prayer. There are people in this room that go, hey, I'm doing everything I can do. I'm, I, I know that, that God is good. I know that I'm trying my best, but God, I just need to know that you're with me. I just need to have a fresh understanding of the statement and the promise, I will be with you. No matter what the situation is, no matter what the obstacle is, you don't do it alone. God is with you. If that's you, would you raise your hand? Wow. There are a lot of people that need prayer this morning. You can put your hand down. So I might invite the band is here. Great, nice. Nailed that. There's a lot of people in this room that need to do business with God today. So if that's you this morning in any of those categories, would you raise your hand one last time? What we're going to do for the moment is we're going to do two things. We're going to begin to worship. God can speak to you where you are. God can speak to you where you are. So as you worship today, Holy Spirit, right now I just pray for every hand and every group that's raised. Lord, I pray that you would begin to shift environments, you'd begin to strengthen people and you'd begin to increase a revelation in people's hearts of the understanding you were with them, Lord, as we sing.